Hi everyone, welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about an event that the North New Jersey Libertarian Party had called Pumpkins in Peace, but my guest, Ariel Schack, does. Ariel, thank you for joining the show. For sure, thanks for having me. Thanks for returning. For those who don't know, Ariel's the chair of the North New Jersey Libertarian Party. If you want to know more about that, you can listen to episode four. Recently, Ariel hosted an event called Pumpkins in Peace. Can you please describe to our listeners what was the event? How'd you come up with the idea? What did it take to put something like that together? Okay. Um, I can for sure describe uh, what the event was, how I came up with the idea. I didn't, number one, and uh, what it took to put together. Okay, so the event, um, just is a summary of what the event turned out to be. Um, it was a presidential debate. We had five presidential candidates all together, um, and three three presidential candidates uh, flew in for a debate, and then two did a Q&A over um, Zoom. And we had Larry Sharp hosting, thanks to you, <laughs> um, which is great, and it was like awesome. Um, you saved me, because if not, it was gonna be me, and I'm not that entertaining. He, he did a great um, job. He did great, oh my gosh, he's wonderful. And then we had Dave Smith, um, like do like a comedy act or like he was even better than a comedy act. Like <laughs> I wouldn't call it a comedy <laughs> act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't a comedy act. Like it was supposed to. Like we we thought it was going to be a comedy act or whatever. Like we didn't know uh. what he was going to do. But then we told everybody what our mission was, and then everybody made everything according to our mission, which I was so excited about because we're really about bringing liberty to the North Jersey community. So everyone came here probably with their oh my God, this is what I'm going to do. And we're like, no, 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 this is what we're doing. And you're going to like, you're coming to talk to our community. And what we want to do is we want to bring back political discourse into like, um, like family conversation and at the dinner table. And we want it to be about like Thanksgiving, which pumpkins of peace. We want it to be about people being okay to talk about politics again and not to be so scared about talking about it. So that was really the reason for the event. Um, I did not come up with it. Uh, this girl, uh, Lana uh, Liguia, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at her name. Um, I love you if you're listening. Um, she, so basically I'm the chair. So when someone comes into the party, mm-hmm. I wanna figure out how I can best activate them and what I can do to get them to spread liberty and to do what they wanna do, what their mission was when they came into the party. I want them to do that. And her mission was to have an event on October 3rd, uh, which was the day that, um, income tax was signed into law. And there's actually a crazy story about how that was even possible. Um, we can go into that a little bit. But um, oh, so I thought it was the day uh, that the Federal Reserve was, st- is that the same day? So it basically it was the whole year of 1913 was um, it like it, it first came, but the Federal Reserve was created because of like, it, it all like was created mm-hmm. because of it. So, um, well first they had to, um, put into in the um what was it the 16th amendment and then once uh, so the 16th amendment i think they put in on maybe february 3rd 1913 i think and then after that they had to um because uh, after that they had to get income tax which is once they were able to get income income tax which was on october 3rd 1913 um they were able to enact like the uh irs and the federal reserve and mm-hmm. all that stuff so it was like Throughout the whole year, so by by December, we had the Federal Reserve, the IRS, we had income tax, which was actually unconstitutional, and they actually had to um, they had to 
like literally making a new amendment to make it constitutional. Well, it was at least they made an amendment, you know, nowadays they just do stuff that's completely unconstitutional without any amendment. So at least you have to give them props for making the amendment. I don't give them props for making the amendment. It went to the Supreme Court in um, 1895. It went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said it's not constitutional to have an income tax. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to make it constitutional. Um, so I don't think it's like the best way to do things because really? it's not, it's like just like a, it's, they made, gave themselves so much more power by creating the IRS and the Federal Reserve and all this stuff, which is not what our founding fathers wanted. Right. No, I, obviously I, I agree. I don't, I don't like that it's here, but at least they did it with an amendment and not through a, uh, an executive order or a Supreme Court interpretation. That's obviously false. Like they actually followed the process. <laughs> I guess get... they actually followed the process, but not so much so because actually how they actually got the 16th amendment was actually really cor- like a corrupt process because they convinced everybody that they were going to help them. So basically they had this, um, this quick time in Congress where they, um, where people were really hurting and they, they need, and they could, Oh, we'll help you. We, the government comes to the government. We're going to help you. And so they went for a totally, totally different thing where they had to get rid of some tariffs that were really hurting people. So like, okay, we're going to get rid of all these tariffs that are hurting you. And then once they got rid of it, and they put in the 16th Amendment, they're like, okay, well, now we have to find another way to get the money from you. So that's where the IRS came in, income tax, and that's where what the income tax is based on. So it's based on people thinking, oh, the government's going to help. And then um, they're like, yeah, ha, psych, and then creating um, income tax, which is... Yeah. yeah, well, if you're going to go into that level, then, then I mean, they could say that about everything. <laughs> and I, and I do, and you do, and we all do. So <laughs> definitely get that. Um, cool. Um, how was attendance at the event? Okay. So attendance, we knew it was going to be bad. So basically let me explain. Um, this was also pumpkin in peace. So she wanted this event on October 3rd to teach families about, uh, so it's like tax taxes and, um, IRS and, um, federal reserve and income tax. And we want to teach it to families. So pumpkins in peace was supposed to be a pumpkin carving event for children. And then what happened, it's now um, the season where all of the candidates that want the Libertarian nomination, um, they want to come to, they have to reach all of the states, talk to everyone, to talk to all the delegates, to convince the delegates to vote for them, um, to give them the nomination at convention next year. So we just kept, I just, I personally just kept getting emails and they're like, can we talk to you guys? Is anything coming up? Can we talk? And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And so once we got enough people, we're like, okay, let's start reaching out to people because now we have candidates who want to come talk. Now let's make it a debate. Um, So it was really not meant to be for like lots of attendance or people or anything like that. It was supposed to be a children's event where mostly like probably like my nieces and nephews and um, and some children that Lana knew like and some children from members were going to come and carve pumpkins and we're going to teach them. We did with a cute craft where they made their own currencies. Um, we made like a Liberty torch. There's cute crafts there. Um, and that was supposed to be the event. Once we got it that now Dave Smith is coming, Larry Sharp is hosting and we've got five presidential candidates. We're like, oh shit, they're all coming to North Jersey to an event. It's gonna maybe have like five people. Like, this is really bad. Like, it's not good. Like, it's not gonna look good, like to us. And I, and it's so annoying because it was just a crazy. This was within two weeks before the event that this was going on. That like we turned into uh, from a children's event to a 
presidential debate. So it was really, really, really intense. Um, and so what had to happen a week before I was like on the phone with like the old party, the old North chair. And I was like freaking out. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what are we going to do? Um, and I was like, guide me. <laughs> and he's like, listen, if you don't get this live streamed, it's really like, you're not going to gain the benefit from it. Cause it's just going to be the few people from the party that show up and that's it. So I was like, okay, I need to get this event live streamed. And that, that in the party, that was like a little bit of tension. Um, because really? that's a totally different direction than what the event was supposed to be ah. and everything like that. So it was crazy. And then, so we had, well, to, you didn't live stream was, the pumpkin po- carving part of it, but you live streamed the, the presidential debate and, and speaker part, which makes sense. Right. So we had no, <laughs> the thing is that we had no budget. We, we didn't have time to vote on a budget because it was within two weeks. It was basically within one week where I was like, okay, we're getting it live stream. It cost $4,000 to have a live stream. We, we called literally anyone everywhere to be like, okay, how can we get this live stream? Everyone quoted us $4,000. And I, oh my God, the Jewish connection is no joke. Let me just <laughs> say it. The Jewish connection is literally what saved that event and got a live stream. Because I like went camping with someone who was like an audio tech and I called him, I like found his number. I was like, oh shoot, this guy told me that he's an audio tech at the beginning of the summer. I met him last summer. I saw him camping this summer again. I gotta find him. So I was like, I was like commenting in all like the groups or whatever, like who knows Benjamin? Like who knows him? <laughs> and then um, I like found him. I like found him by like looking at a group of like 200 people and looking for his picture. And I was like, I think that's him. And then I like texted him and, um, and he's like, I got you. I got you, Ariel. And he found a friend that, again, quoted me $4,000. And I was like, I know everyone's quoting me that. He's like, what can you pay? And I was like, 400 <laughs> And he's like, okay. And he's like, you know what? Like, I want to do this for you. And so he gave us a 90% discount. Wow. And, live stream. and the live stream was awesome. Like, people were tweeting that um, it's better than any of the national debate live streams. Like, it was really great. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. it was awesome. That was, like, such a... That was a huge win. Were there a lot of people on the live stream? Um, so the live stream, at the time, it got like maybe like, I think the top was like 48 people. Um, but then since then, there's been like thousands of views, like nice. over a thousand views. I don't know how many. And I know that the tweets that it got, like each tweet was getting like 50,000 views and stuff. So it was it was going really, really well. That's awesome. And it seriously made it worth it and it gave it gave all the candidates nice content also because of like the great camera angles and it just looked really good yeah no, that's great uh, it is so cool <laughs> something and i want to get into all the the details of the debate but uh something that you brought up during the event was um the the north jersey uh libertarian party's efforts in ordinance repeal can you give us more f- information on that project yeah actually it's funny someone's trying to Someone's trying to undercut that project and get us to take it to them. Uh, so it's actually really cool that because like my favorite people, you you know who my favorite person, so keep it in your head. My favorite libertarian is trying to take that project. Um, well, it's good. Just, Larry Sharp always says, "Steal my ideas, please." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, we're we're in talks with them this week to see what we could do because a lot of times people don't want to work with like a political party. So we have to see what to do with this project because this project's really awesome. And it, maybe if we figure out another way to shape it or do something, we can get more involvement. So basically, it's the Preempted Ordinance Repeals Project. 
And what that is, is in New Jersey, there are street behavioral conduct co like codes that are um, already in the state law. And what happens, it's in state law because when it goes town by town to like decide what the street behavioral code should be, it, beco it becomes that it's, the police could dictate whatever they want it to be. They can use it literally for anything. And a lot of times they were the when they first like in, like um, in like the seventies these these codes were actually used to like give tickets to people who were interracially married. It was still today. There is a lot of racism that has to do like with these codes, um, and they're used all the time for like for racism for to hurt people who are low income and all of these different things. Can you give us so an example of, of one of the codes? Like what? Yeah, so like loitering would be one of the codes, would a loitering code, um, curfew codes. Um, what else is there today? So there was a, like an, um, a disturb, uh, disturbing the peace, uh, which just says disturbing the peace. Who, right. who gets to decide? So, so all of them are kind of like vague, you know, and yeah, cops can just come vague. and, you know, give you a ticket for whatever because, uh, because they could define it however they want to which is a problem. <laughs> yeah, and they are defining it however they want to. So it really is a problem. I was actually sitting in court this week um, just to like be able to like catch them doing it. Because I actually go myself to the town councils to help get these repealed. And um, they have to repeal them. They're illegal. They can't be there. 30 years ago, the state made these laws, which make them preempted by the state, which means they cannot have them on the books anymore. But towns are still using them. And even the town, so I got... Florham Park, I think I got repealed in June. And then I was in there, um, I was just sitting in court this week. The judge was like, why are you here? And I'm like, just just watching. Do they recognize you in the court? They're like, oh, this annoying lady is here to annoy not, us. Not so much yet. <laughs> not so much yet. But, um, but I think with time, maybe. Because uh, also after we saw like the judge, not just like not just doing like um, some of the legal ordinances that just got banned um, in June, but also illegal ordinances that got banned in, in like that got repealed in 2010, where like the judge was still getting like getting fines out. Oh my God, it was so sad to watch this because he's also giving them fines, but these are poor people that cannot afford a $200 fine. And what happens is they go on payment plans for $200. And that to me was so sad. And like, so it gave me so much like, uh, not us, I don't know how to say that in English. Agita. It gave me, what is it? Aggravation. It gave me like so much, no, it gave me the opposite. It gave me, it made me feel so proud oh, of this project yeah. that we're getting rid of these codes. And now we have to take this project a step further because we have to make sure that the judges also know that they can't use these codes to hurt people anymore. And the way, so now, so what we did with that judge this week is we had to actually get him in trouble, which eventually they're not going to like it. But legally, they really can't kick us out of the courtroom. We're allowed to be there. And uh, yeah, so in, we're going throughout all of New Jersey, not just North Jersey. It's a, I'm not just the chair of North Jersey. I'm also the, I'm also on the state board. Um, I'm, I do public relations for the state. And um, and this is just like a project that um, John Paff, he's like an awesome libertarian. He's in Florida right now. Nice. And you should definitely know him because he's awesome and amazing. Um, and he has been doing this project for years. Um, and basically we've gone, I think we've got it, um, we've gone to like, we got the, the ordinances repealed in like 46 towns. And now we're actually going to awesome. start, besides just going to like get them repealed, 
Um, there's so many more levels of how the government is like taking away our freedoms, taking away our rights, and doing things that really are illegal that we're going to start tackling into now. So we had a two-hour meeting about it today, but we're doing as a party. Like everyone's running candidates, but I, as soon as I came to North, I was like, I want to do more than just I like I don't care about the candidates. Like I want to be able to do stuff that's going to help the day to day of the people in our community, and that's exactly what this project does. That's amazing. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear all the success and hope it continues. Thank you. Um, I had a question about, uh, so I thought, so Larry Sharp, I thought did a great job. Um, and everything he said was great, except one thing I didn't get <laughs> was a joke about a car. Did that make any sense to you? Or was that just like a, a throwaway? <laughs> okay, so I will say this. I, I did not see everything that was going on. Okay. As we said, because um, if you saw like how the like the names were coming on the screen and off the screen that we were tagged uh -huh. or whatever, that was me. I was literally like it was four hundred dollars because I was back there doing the cameras, doing the the things and helping that the um this guy Sam that was doing it. So I like missed a lot of <laughs> like actually and wanted to sit down and like really watch everything, but I haven't. Well, it was it was a good watch. And so Larry Sharp told a terrible joke, uh, but then but then he saved it, saying, uh, "I know that that was a bad joke. I'm prepping you for someone who's actually funny." That's how he introduced Dave Smith, which was wasn't a bad way to do it, but it was it was a pretty bad joke. I wasn't sure if he was actually going for something or not, um, but I thought he did a good job, especially with the the lady that was heckling. He did a very good job handling that situation. Oh my gosh, that was that was. That was a lot. That that was unexpected. <laughs> she drove all the way from um, Maryland just to, to yell at people. Event, and she like, it was really kind of sad because you I don't know what to do in those situations because she was actually like you could tell that something was off off with her. Well, yeah, kinda, anybody who can't wait for the Q and A section has to interrupt a debate. Obviously, is something wrong with them? It's like, but uh, but I thought Larry handled it very well. He, oh my God, he was, he was incredible. He's very he smooth. Was, yeah, he was beyond incredible. <laughs> um, I thought Dave Smith's speech was amazing. Um, and it reminded me why I'm upset that he's not running for president. <laughs> what, what did you think about his speech? I thought it was, I thought it was really awesome. It was exactly like, like what I was saying, like it was exactly what I wanted the event to be about. I wanted it to trigger that, like that type of, um, emotion from people about like that how it's really community-based and there's so much we can actually do in the libertarian like the libertarian party and his speech was absolutely amazing and i think um i was talking today about with um the with the chair of uh, pennsylvania and he and he was like i was like i was like trying to figure out like how am I activating members and how am I gaining members? Like, what should I do? And in Pennsylvania, they do it the best. I mean, they've got, they've got over 120 people in office. Like they, they're doing incredible. Nice. So I was like, you got to tell me what to do. Um, and he's like, call, he's like, well, he's like, why aren't you calling Dave Smith? <laughs> and I was like, you know what I, you know, I think I might. Oh, so he told you to call Dave Smith for, for the event. Yeah, he's like, call Dave Smith. He's like to get members. Well, he lives he's in like, New Jersey, right? So I don't, I don't know if does he, is he like a regular attendee at your events or not really? No, I actually just found out that he literally lives 15 minutes from where most of our events are hosted. So he like outed himself and now I'm just going to be like, Dave, you need to help him <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, you got to, you got to get him to come out. 
he, he's such a good voice for this stuff. It, it really is incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, I, w- I was hoping he would run for president. But anyway, it, he had a great line in his speech. He said, being a libertarian in 2023 requires you to be a conspiracy theorist. And I thought that was such a good line. Did, did that resonate with you at all? 100%. Like, he's, I mean, he said if you're not a conspiracy theorist, the link, right? You're yeah, not. Yeah. You're like, you're miss. You're not paying attention. Not paying attention. Yeah. And I, I mean, I completely agree. I think that we're at a point now where we have so much media available to us. We've Everybody has a camera on their phone and everyone can send a tweet, everything that we have so much information available to us that if you are just taking what the media says at face value and not thinking for yourself and not being called a conspiracy theorist because of it, yeah, then there's not really, there's like, sorry, my dog is like, no, it's, um, it's fine. It's, it's great. Yeah, no, but it's true though. I, I remember, um, the moment for me, or it wasn't a moment. It was, it was just, the year of 2020 i must have been called a conspiracy theorist um on facebook at least three or four times i had never ever been called one in my entire life and i was at first i resisted it but at this point i think he's right i think that if you're not a conspiracy theorist you're just not paying attention yeah 100 it's funny my i actually my dad you know david ike right uh sounds familiar yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah, he's like the number one conspiracy theorist, and he gave like a list of the top four conspiracy theorists of our like time, and my dad was one of them. So like, Wait, the, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up with like literally like um like Is your I don't dad know if you a know Henry Mako, Barry Hamish, um, Joel Vaynerman, and so my, I grew up with those people as like they're like big time conspiracy theorists, and I grew up. They were my dad's best friends, and my dad was just like. <laughs> Wait, is your is your dad a public figure? What is your dad a public figure? Um, so he's he's only if you're a really deep conspiracy, like he's the <laughs> one who like came out. I don't know. I don't know how much I want to talk about, but you don't have if you to. You Google his name, Clifford Shack. You'll you'll see a lot. <laughs> interesting. All right, I will do yeah. that after the podcast. It's interesting. It's very interesting. You should you should totally have him on the podcast. He's got crazy information and yeah. like I'm I'm happy to and and look to be to be fair I, I I probably don't believe most conspiracy theories but I always agree with the provocation for the conspiracy which is that the mainstream narrative is bullshit always so <laughs> so I'm very sympathetic to that world even though I, I don't necessarily agree with, with a lot of the specific conspiracies but but be that as it may um i i i i love that yeah i'm i'm happy to have him on that would be great <laughs> <laughs> but that's if you want like deep conspiracies. oh i'll go deep on anything um <laughs> so going over to the uh, the presidential um debate and candidates so you, like you mentioned you had you had five uh, candidates that were there, uh, Lars Mapstead and Mike Termot, uh, were interviewed over zoom and there was a debate between Chase Oliver, Michael Rechtenwald and, and Josh Smith. Um, I guess my first question is who wasn't there? How many other candidates are there that were not, are there any other major contenders outside of these five? 
Um, there are a few other people running. We didn't, um, we honestly, people came to us. We didn't really invite people. Um, I didn't, there was a point in the last week when I was like, we should probably invite everybody at this point. Um, but then it was just, there's just so much to do. So it really fell off the table. And I kind of feel sad about it, about like, cause I'm just like very, let's be inclusive, um, person. Uh, but yeah, that's just how it has the cookie, how the cookie crumbled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there are a bunch of people running. Um, I think maybe there was like three or four more that weren't there. Anyone like a major contender or a big name? I don't think so. I think all the big names and the major contenders were there. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anyone that was just like. I mean, is that is that horrible to say? Um, Not maybe really. To, I, I mean, to be name. honest, from from anyone else's perspective, these are all nobodies. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Everyone is a nobody. <laughs> If you're not a libertarian, it's so funny because I was like, I was like freaking out at like my family. I was like, oh my God, this person's coming. Oh my God, this person's coming. Like, oh my, and I was like, if you guys knew what any of these people were, it would be really cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was but like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm uh, driving Larry Sharp around and, and people are like, uh, who is that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. He's just like the coolest guy. <laughs> I got a text from, um, oh, what's his name? Ah, oh my God. My mind just like blinked. One of the candidates? But, no, no, no. Um, Mike, uh, Michael Hurst, right? Is it Heist? Heist. Michael Heist. I got a text from Michael Heist because um, he was like trying to. Because I'm like very bad at like I don't know whatever. I wasn't very respond. I was busy. I, uh-huh. I'm not bad at it. I was very busy, so I wasn't super responsive to um, Dave Smith, and so Michael Heist texted me. Responsive? <laughs> how? Like, okay. like he was messaging you and you weren't answering? Do, do, yeah, <laughs> I was so busy. Can you imagine? <laughs> what, what did Dave Smith want from you that that Michael Heiss had to reach out? Can you explain the story? <laughs> was this like uh, was, logistics well, before the debate just to get set up, or are you talking about since? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was before the debate. It was okay. like I never told. Like they're like, oh, Dave Smith wants to come. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I never told them what he's gonna do, what, what time he should be there, like anything of anything. Okay. And it's like the day before or the day of. I don't remember. And Michael Heist is like, uh, hey, it's Michael Heist. Uh, when do? What's going on with Dave? Like, when should yeah. he be there? Interesting. Like, oh, this that. adds more flavor to. So, so I wanted to get into this, but. So I, I know that, that Dave Smith is a supporter of, of Rechtenwald, and it seems like Michael Heiss is as well. And it, it seems like uh, Josh Smith is getting screwed over a little bit, and he's sour about it. I don't know if you know all the drama going on, because during the debate, I thought, oh, these guys are basically saying the same thing. They should just do it together. Why are they both running? Um, and the answer is... <laughs> That, <laughs> that that Josh Smith was always planning to run, and then uh, Rechtenwald was asked to run um, by someone, maybe by Heiss. I'm not sure. He, he like, put out a whole bunch of text messages, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Josh Smith, because they were, they were shitting on him. So he put out these text messages um, showing, like, he, he was talking, I think it was to Heiss, 
saying, you know, I'll run. Can you help me? And he's like, yeah, maybe I'll help you. But let me first see if I could get Rectinwall to run and, and shit like that. Uh, so it's a little uh, little dirty operations. You got any uh, any scoop? <laughs> um, I mean, you kind of went over it, but basically, um, I think Josh Smith thought that he was going to get the Mises nomination. Um Especially, he was like the one of the right hand men for the whole for BCs and for the takeover, right? And, yeah. Um, all of that. Um, what he what what was I told? So I was told basically. Um, I think that I don't want to like I. But basically, Josh kind of told me a story, um, and then I also heard the story from like some people closer um, to Michael and um, before before the debate or after the debate. After the debate. Okay, because during the debate, they seemed very um, fine with each other. I didn't see any drama at all on the debate stage. Yeah, no, everyone was perfectly... It was a family event. There were children there. No, but everybody was well-articulated and... you know, stated their opinions, uh, you know, confidently, but, but respectfully, like I, like there, I didn't see any name calling or, or any, uh, you know, immature, uh, uh you know, shenanigans. <laughs> I lost you. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Oh. I just had to let the dog out. He was like barking, but, um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, everyone was really nice. I think the only thing, the thing that I found is kind of annoying was uh, after the debate, um, Joshua Smith and Chase Oliver stayed around and spoke to everybody and just like schmoozed and took pictures. And um, Rectinwall just ran out. Like he ran so fast out. Like yeah. this was like what a waste of his time or whatever. Which is, <laughs> you know what? He got great content from that. So not a waste of his time. And from that, just from the, him acting like that, I was like, what a douche. Like, I mean, he doesn't <laughs> seem like he has a, a lot of a personality. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he's a douche. He did seem very smart and knew what he was talking about. Um, but but he didn't seem to have a personality. Well, that's why I thought him and and Josh Smith together wouldn't be a bad ticket because I thought he's really smart and Josh Smith has a a better voice and is better at talking to people. (laughs) I get it. So the thing is that if you see what's going on on Twitter this week with um, this past week, Josh is just hurting his chances of being on that ticket with, with, that's my opinion, like, well, I didn't, I didn't see yeah. every everything, but it looks like he is, um, you know, upset at how he's been treated and he's kind of airing, you know, some would say dirty laundry. But I guess from his perspective, um, he he kind of got screwed over. And so he is showing his version of events. And I, I don't think that's that crazy. Um, but but anyway, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um I don't think any of what these people are going to win. What did you say? I said, I don't think any of these people are going to win, but I want to know what you thought about um, the debate. Like, who do you think won? Who do you think is the best candidate? And who is your favorite candidate? They could all be the same or different. Okay, they're all different. Uh, who, firstly, I thought that uh, uh, Mike Termat completely was awesome I yeah thought he that, wasn't in the debate though that was just like uh for the for the yeah the one based on 
like who I just thought was awesome from the night. What do you think? Really oh, well. sorry. Give, give me all your answers and then I'll ask. Yeah. Okay. For the debate, uh, who do I think? I thought Chase Oliver was great. I, I like him. He, he um, was not bad. Yeah. And, and, and who is your favorite? And who is my favorite? So, I mean, I think, okay. Personality wise, um, Joshua Smith, hands down has an amazing personality he's so friendly he's so funny um he's just personable and i think that he could i think he totally could get like a lot of people behind him because of that because he's he's so real feeling mm -hmm. like he's not yeah. like he doesn't feel like nothing about him felt like this like stuck up right. person or anything at all so i think for that reason i think at least for libertarians he would probably get the libertarian vote um, just because he is so personable. I think, um, personally, um, it's hard to say. Uh, so yeah, I think Chase Oliver is great for if it's not just libertarians voting and it's a presidential election and, and who can get more, um, non libertarians voting. I think Chase Oliver, um, he explains things really well. I think that he, his opinions are in, uh, like he he's has a libertarian view on a lot of um obviously he's libertarian he has libertarian views but he makes it really palatable for the public and i think that's why to me he won that debate because he he took concepts that everyone else kind of talks about as like libertarians and he made it really something palatable for the community and so to me that won the debate because this was a community event um, and this was for North Jersey and, and he made it whereas I think that anybody from North Jersey could watch it and be like, oh yeah, I could be a libertarian. So for me, that's, that's who won and that's why he won. But from, but from my libertarian brain, I'm like, oh, well, Joshua Smith was really, really good. Um, Michael Rackenworld was, uh, I think he did well. He's very smart. Um, I think he handled some, some of the situations, especially the girl yelling at him really well. Uh, I could also see him doing well, like, um, just but that's going to be everything, right? Everything he says is going to be taken out of context by someone because he just says those types of things. Yeah, but also he's <laughs> not. I think he's not like all of his voice, like his brand voice, right? Everything I look at is from a PR perspective. From a PR perspective, if you hear him speak and you watch his Twitter, it's so obvious that those are two different people. And that's not him, and that's not his brand. And his he and the brand that they're trying to create for him is not who he is. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be an uphill battle for them for the entire campaign because they they're trying to make him this personable. Like if you look at his Twitter, like they're trying to make him like a like a personality that he isn't. And if mm -hmm. they can't get him there in actuality, where he's going to get filmed and be that personality, then it doesn't matter how great his tweets are, or his Twitter, whoever's handling that for him. Like, I think that there there's a disconnect there, and I think there's a lot for them that they could do about it, but um, right now they're not doing it yet. Very interesting. So I'm curious what you think differentiates each of the candidates. Um, I, obviously, personality-wise, they're, they're, they're all different, but in terms of ideas, like to me, um, Chase Oliver stood out as like uh, a minarchist, uh, uh, not not uh, as extreme as as the others. Um, maybe a little bit more woke than the others. Um, I don't know how any of the others differentiate themselves. To me, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm missing something. But they, I I don't I didn't notice anyone saying anything particularly different in terms of messaging. 
Yeah, they were pretty much all really, really similar. Uh, there wasn't a lot of debate. Right. <laughs> there wasn't so much debate happening. Yeah, they're they're also similar, you know, except for like the the woke stuff and and the uh, minarchy versus you know extreme uh, or or more towards anarchy stuff. Like, I I did not. Um, like Oliver's answers as much as Rechtenwald's and Josh Smith's, with the exception of uh, one exchange he had with Josh Smith on uh, Josh Smith being bigoted against communists, which I thought was a stupid thing to say, and 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 Chase called him out on that, and I think he was correct. That was a collectivist, stupid thing to say. Um, but otherwise, I agreed mostly with what Josh Smith and and, and Rechtenwald had to say, not necessarily. I, not that I disagreed with what Chase had to say, but it felt like he was watering down the message. And I don't think we need that in a libertarian candidate, that we just had that with Joe Jorgensen. Joe Jorgensen was, you know, a pitcher of water. All she did was water down messaging. And I don't understand the point of that because if you're not running to spread liberty, then who needs you? That's my opinion. Like, because you're not going to win. It's not about trying to get the Black Lives Matter people to vote for you. It's a dumb strategy. Strategy should be to spread liberty. That's my opinion. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I feel you. And I think that's a lot of people's opinion, which is why um, Mises like, took over the party yeah. a couple years ago, is because people wanted more radical libertarian views spread, and it wasn't about watering it down. So, which is probably like really likely why Chase won't get the nomination. Um, and one of the Mises people will. And it sounds like because, I mean, just knowing how politics works, they really want, I mean, Rechtenwald to win. And I think that Joshua Smith knows that without that Mises backing, um, he's kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, look, if Dave Smith said, I'm not running, but I'm supporting this guy Rechtenwald, I mean... That that's a pretty hard battle to win, uh, if you've got Dave Smith's nomination. Um, so, <laughs> but I I don't think he's the best spokesperson. I just don't. I don't understand why they picked this guy. And listen, he voted right. Joshua Smith put out that he voted literally voted for Trump. <laughs> like yeah, but that, I don't think that's an indictment. Why is that a big deal? I mean, he's not libertarian. Libertarians would vote libertarian. No, but the libertarian was Joe Jorgensen. And Spike Cohen, don't forget. No, it, um, no, it's easy yeah, to I forget. Understand. Spike Cohen was the vice president. No one cares who the vice president is. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I mean, if, personally, if Spike decided to run. I would. I would. I'd like to see a race for Spike. Spike versus Mises. That would be interesting. I think Sp everyone. Would Spike is Spike. very sympathetic to Mises. I don't think it would be a battle. I think that he would win. Everybody likes him. I know. I, there's he no faction run. of libertarian that doesn't like Spike Cohen, but I, I yeah. so I, I don't think having voted for Trump should be an indictment. I don't think ha being uh, not a, a member of the libertarian party should be an indictment. It should just be who's the best person for this job. And I mean, I, I, <laughs> there's plenty of reasons to, to vote or not vote for Trump. I, I, I fell on the not voting for Trump side, but I don't think that it, it would have been crazy to think about voting for Trump. He was anti-establishment. He yeah, did promise picking, to lower taxes and stop wars. 
Um, there's and even if even if that wasn't the reason you voted for him, people are allowed to change their minds. Why why should that be an indictment? So the problem isn't that he voted for Trump as much as he said he didn't, and then oh then he, he lied. Him. That's a different he, thing. The lying is a different. Okay. Is a totally he said that he's not he was not a Trump supporter there, and but then um, there's a video found that he said that he voted for Trump, and that I think is a problem. Yeah. Okay. Lying is a problem for sure. I didn't know that part. I mean, what politician doesn't? Well, <laughs> ideally, um, politicians wouldn't lie. Um, I, I, I think there are politicians that lie less than others. It's interesting about Trump, even though he is considered to be a, a liar, I think he is one of the most honest liars we ever had because he tells you what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hear that. Um, Although they say that, I mean, with the Israel stuff that's going on, I don't know if you wanted to. I don't know. I, 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 in, in the, I'm, I'm a little, uh, not a little. It's, it's to be expected. I know that um, the word Israel is toxic in a lot of libertarian circles. Zionism is definitely viewed as a negative word in most libertarian circles. Um, when I go to Porkfest, I'm like the the Hasbara guy. <laughs> because <laughs> i mean first for people who are so nuanced about every topic to take this one topic which is quite complicated and have such knee-jerk reactions to it in general is is disappointing but but in general is not uh the past few days whereby um you know it's it's really not that hard to condemn people that are killing innocent people and you don't have to jump to anything else, really. <laughs> like, yeah. like I mean, I have, you can when, say when, when, that when, Israel shares a portion of, um, you know, indirect blame as a uh, due to their ongoing policy and the conditions Palestinians live in. And I, and I do agree that Israel should have been doing more. And, and that's a conversation for for the last two decades and a conversation hopefully for less than the next two decades. But for right now, the conversation should just be empathy and trying to neutralize the threat and rescue hostages. I, I don't understand why the conversation should be anything else right now. And I, but I agree with saying, you know, some of the, the tweets and from the other side were very vociferous in, in support of an all-out war and just killing innocent people. And obviously you want to say that that's wrong. So I understand that impulse, but... Um, it seemed a little preemptive to me. Yeah. I think I got really upset on Saturday when I saw the Libertarian Party's tweet because um, this was literally a couple hours after finding out what's going on in the situation. And um, and I get it. Like, they don't want to fund over anything overseas or any Israel, like, um, any war in Israel. I'm fine with like the that. no funding part. Yeah. I think that it was, I, I commented, if you look on their thing, it says from North Jersey, Libertarian Party, I commented and I was like, listen, I was like, people that went to a party, to a, a, a nature, a peaceful nature party, um, were killed. And and that's that's it like the problem is that's it They're, it's not if you don't want to fund them don't fund them i don't support anybody funding them but i'm going to still send my money and go and fund the victims and to help them and that's where your brain should be your brain should be about that yeah. your brain shouldn't be about 
Like, I, I don't like that there wasn't anything condemning it or anything. They were just like, oh, not our money. Don't take our money or, like, the conspiracies about money and all this stuff yeah. or trying to get Well, I, I, I saw some things that were more even-handed than others. I don't know which tweet from the Libertarian Party you're talking about. I saw Angela McArdle, uh said something I don't think was, was too bad. Um, yeah, yeah, hers was after. I'm, talk- I'm talking about the first tweet they did. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Dave Smith was was as even-handed as I would expect from him, which is to say, um, like he he didn't just straight out uh, go anti-Israel. He did show compassion for for the victims, and and I thought that was good. The the people who disappointed me were people like Reed Coverdale. He seemed like very giddy in his like I I just I don't understand the impulse to kind of celebrate death, especially as a libertarian. It's kind of fucked up. You know who had a really good commentary? And oh my god, <laughs> Andrew Tate did a. Did you watch that video? No, him, I don't watch that him? guy. I can't take okay, him seriously. Listen, it was so <laughs> good because he was just saying that he, it, like, he doesn't. He's he, he, him and his brother were just saying like, it's about the children. Like he's he he all he's supporting is the children. He's. He's supporting the Palestinian children who are not going to have education and water and all of this food and all the stuff that they need because of this. And that's where he is. But he's not saying that 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 don't support the Israeli children. He's saying that the Israeli children have have those resources. And so that's why he's giving one to them. But he said that he doesn't know anything about the conflict. He literally can't comment on it. Like it's so much bigger than anything he can understand and anything anyone else can understand. And anybody that's commenting on it, um, he said he said, if you're a fighter, you know that you don't want war. You don't want anyone else to get into a fight. And he said, anyone else that's commenting on it and being like, oh, go, yeah, go, like, crush that or go do this. Right. Like, they very obviously have never been in a fight before. Um, I don't know if that's true. I've seen a lot of uh, family members that are soldiers or, or previous soldiers that, that had a sentiment of go get them or, or stuff like that. But, but there is a hostage situation that's ongoing. You know, I don't think the, the time to say um what what can israel do better to promote peace is is right now i i think that's a conversation for um that i've been trying to have i i I do think israel has the moral responsibility to figure out a pathway to peace um right now they have to rescue hostages and neutralize a terror threat like i don't it's it's this is the craziest situation i've never like i think this is the craziest situation i've seen in my lifetime like it's nuts there's anything that's been personally so personal my my oh my gosh my son was supposed to be in my son and uh, his dad were supposed to be in israel this week oh my god and it's so personal like this just yeah. felt so personal i've got all my family there yeah, i've got same. um my nieces and nephews there like it's so personal and it's so like and i think that thing about Israel and America is that there's so many Americans that have moved to Israel or that live in Israel. There's so many Americans that have family there or have a connection there that I think that anybody who would tweet out something harsh, even to to either side, because I mean, I don't think anybody wants something. No, there were harsh things on on both sides. I commented on uh, uh, some actor, I guess Mark Ruffalo sent sent something about... um, you know that he's uh uh you know sorry for what happened and and very uh you know sympathizing with with all the victims and everything and david draymond tweeted at him like 
you're part of the problem, fuckhead. Like, and I was like, dude, like he's expressing sympathy. Why are you yelling at him? Like, I, yeah. I, like the harshness is ridiculous. I think people have are behind their screens and they they think they could just say whatever. Um, but it's, it's such a terrible situation and so scary. That's such a scary unknowns. And I mean, it's hard to be libertarian. Okay, this is where it's hard for me to mm-hmm. be a libertarian. I hear and that. I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's like a couple of reasons because I've been thinking about this a lot lately yeah. about like about like what it means to like give money overseas and stuff and um and like and like also funding wars and stuff. So this is where I'm like a little bit like I'm not so sure my views and what to do in this situation. Our traders are protected by our military. Like T R A D or T R A I T. What what trader? Trade routes. Trade trade routes. Okay. Yeah, our trade routes, our stuff, our oil, our stuff, everything that's coming from everywhere. That, that's what our navy is doing. They're protecting our stuff and our res- and resources that we're stealing, obviously from other countries or getting nicely, whatever, from other countries. That's what that's what our military is there for, and that's what they're doing. And to pretend like that doesn't exist, to pretend like Israel is not there protecting the Suez Canal, is not no. That's not possible. Like a huge part of that Suez Canal and about uh, um, and the trade route that it brings is because they have a lot of militaries protecting that. Mm-hmm. So we can't ignore the fact that that's our reality and that's been our reality for like a couple hundred years now. Um, and it just gets bigger and deeper. So like with time, so like everyone, like what everyone's saying with this, like it's like, uh, this is very clearly like, I mean, like the war in Syria and stuff is very clearly about the the pipe, the oil pipelines and stuff like that. Like we all know this. We this is not a conspiracy. We all know that all of the wars have to do with these pipelines and this oil and these trade routes and all of this different stuff. So what? Like my my thing is, what are libertarians saying that we can't be involved at all? Because that all our like unless we shut our countries down, if they want open trade, we have to be involved. If we if we shut our country down, we, like only made in America. Then yeah, maybe then you don't need to go overseas and have money overseas and uh, have interest overseas. But well, the libertarian I, I, argument I, would be that you don't have to be involved because the um, the if American uh, military is not protecting those trade routes, then the people who receive money for those goods won't receive it. So those people will be incentivized to protect those trade routes. There's no reason. For America to extend itself, if there is a trade and you're selling an item at a price and I'm willing to pay the price to get anything else involved there, um, and you know, just because we are the buyers, um, the seller is is just as incentivized to make sure that the products get to us. So I think that would be one libertarian response. Well, I guess that's also, but that's why there's right like probably nato that's why all the armies are working together for all this stuff because it's everybody's involvement this is a we're a global this is a global world now this is not like this is one we're in one world yes (laughs) and on the one side i'm totally fine with that but on the other side a global government one world order is something we have to resist um, because then it removes all choice and enslaves the population. So it, even though, yeah, the world is connected and that's a good thing, um, if 
if all of our militaries are entangled and working for the same person <laughs> and we don't actually have separate countries uh we're all part of one country um i think we're all fucked i kind of like we're already like it's i feel like it's already like that we're just not acknowledging it because that's already how it is in some ways but right now you have like the world economic forum that is trying to do a lot of shady stuff but the people who are paying attention don't want that to happen you have alliances between some countries and alliances between other countries and you have the un and there's all sorts of trade agreements um but in terms of one group of people calling all the shots i mean that's what the world economic forum wants but i don't think they have it yet did you hear okay i kind of throw another conspiracy theory well, I wanted to ask a couple more questions about the okay, <laughs> about the event because I because we're almost done here. So let me just ask um, rapid fire. <laughs> uh, this time last year, I was very hopeful about the next libertarian election. I felt there were so many good options to run: Dave Smith, Spike Cohen, Justin Amash, Rand Paul, maybe Thomas Massey, maybe. Why aren't any of them running? And do you think anybody running has a shot at moving the needle at all? Okay, um, so why are any of them running? I'll tell you what happened. I think that um, they were so full. The party was the the party, and the people who were coming to do this takeover of the party and everything. They were so focused on getting that takeover that once they put people in place in all of the different positions um, throughout the different states, everywhere, like literally everything, they didn't have anything. They didn't give them what to do, and I think that that drove wedges in the party completely with the people who kind of got the party to where it is now and then the people that are here and then are not really doing much and they're kind of like sitting ducks anyone anyone in the party that's like within um anyone i mean at least like it just feels like there's a bunch of sitting ducks all over the place so there's no passion there's not anything really happening and they're just waiting probably um so i think that kind of made um, I think that the rah-rah of getting, oh, taking over, and then once they had the takeover, really nothing's really been happening. Um, it kind of, like, it got, it got it lost. Fizzled. Never got lost in the sauce because of it. So it's not so fun anymore for them. So they don't have the huge, like, we're losing numbers as a party instead of gaining numbers. Yeah. What gives you hope of the future of the Libertarian Party in America? Um... What gives me hope about the future of the Libertarian Party of America? Well, I think that more and more people that um, are just looking for this, for other options, they could see what's what's happening, what's working isn't working, what's been working isn't working for them. Um, I think a lot of people value their freedom a lot more, and they realize more and more how much of it gets taken away. And I think with education and stuff, more people will start um, coming towards the Libertarian Party. I think there's a lot for the party to learn, but I think that they know that, and they know that there's a lot of, um, they know there's a lot to do. And I and the f fact that they recognize that, and they recognize, like, anything I know about what's going wrong in the party is because the people um, higher up, they also know, and they talk about it. So I think the hope is that there's going to be a lot of changes and movement, and, um and now, like they'll they'll put resources to to making those changes, 
uh, hopefully. But I don't know that 2024 is going to be our year, but <laughs> it's really towards 20, 2030. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like the optimism. I hope that you're correct. I think that 2020 was our year. We fucked it up. And uh, it looks like we're fucking up 2024, unfortunately. But I hope that it, it turns around soon. <laughs> we don't know. Anything can happen. Honestly, anything, anything can happen. happen. Anything can happen. Joe Rogan can run. I mean, anything can happen. Um, Ariel, we're getting to the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what is one thing, if you had to choose only one thing, that you want me and all of our listeners to know? Um, the one thing that I want you and all your listeners to know would be that not to be afraid to talk about it and to have political discourse, um, not to be afraid to get into politics. I think everyone should get into politics. And um, I think you should know that libertarians are trying really hard and um, <laughs> be nice to a libertarian. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> <laughs>